0: get a clearer picture of what's going on. Make sure you talk to all parties. Make sure you look at things from all the different angles. Then proceed to make the right decision. I know it's not specific. Mm -hmm. Best advice lesson ever, but you can apply it to pretty much anything.
1: Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, are you looking for some financing? Maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business. Well, guess what? Got a solution for you. It's Fund That Flip. You know Fund That Flip. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fund That Flip, has been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner. Go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Ben Midgley. How you doing, Ben? Doing
0: great. How are you, Joe?
1: I'm doing well and nice to have you on the show and best ever listeners Ben is, well, he's the founder and CEO of the Crunch Fitness franchise, and let's talk a little bit about that, and then he'll elaborate more in detail. In 2010, he took that franchise from out of bankruptcy to now, Crunch has been named the hottest new franchise bet by Entrepreneur Magazine, a top franchise to own, and the top global franchise Just grown this thing tremendously, has reached over 1 million members, and has over 225 open locations. So we're going to be talking today as real estate investors, clearly we're entrepreneurs. And I think it'd be beneficial to learn from someone who has taken a company that was past the point of failure... And has grown it to where it is today because as entrepreneurs, as real estate investors, that's what we're looking to do as well. So with that being said, Ben, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: Sure. Yeah, I'm going to put a little color on that. So Crunch is a brand that's actually been around for almost 30 years. I'm not the founder of Crunch on any level. That was founded by a gentleman by the name of Doug Levine, very good innovator very unique marketer and kind of brought crunch onto the scene as what you'd consider probably the first ever boutique fitness studio. I don't know if you're familiar with the term boutique fitness, but they're the smaller or your listeners are the smaller based fitness centers, about two to three thousand square feet, very specialized on a certain type of exercise, whether it's a crossfit or a spinning studio or something like that. But almost 30 years ago, those studios weren't there. So Crunch started in a basement location in the East Village in New York, and Doug was doing some really dynamic marketing in order to get people attracted to the brand. So the brand grew up to about 20, 30 clubs, changed hands a couple of times, he sold out, and due to a little bit of mismanagement, <coughs> got into some financial troubles and then went into a bankruptcy. So That was managed, though, through the ownership, which is a combination of New Evolution Ventures, which are fantastic operators, their fitness management platform, and private equity investors in the space, along with Angelo Gordon, who's the current owner of the group. So Crunch has been here the whole time. Then Crunch was brought out of bankruptcy, and that's when I was brought in because I have a lot of relationships with the folks at NEV. And I'd previously been with Planet Fitness at the president and executive vice president level. So we looked at the industry and said, if we're going to start a franchise with this great brand, where should we go? So we decided to go into the low price space, which is memberships that are $10 a month, $20 a month. Planet was really in charge of the market at that point. So we tried to go in with a better value for the consumer where they get a lot more for those same dollars and a better proposal for the franchise investor. So we tried a bunch of different things and we got it to the point that we now have, to your point, over a million members. We have the most competitive platform in the space for what members get and franchisees get. And now we're just consistently faced with how do we innovate, how do we keep franchisees profitable, and how we stay ahead of competition.
1: You all chose the low price space versus the premium model where it's more high end, but I'm guessing... On the more high end luxury, the margins are better, at least traditionally across different industries. So, why did you choose the low price space?
0: Yeah, you'd actually be surprised that in most cases, the margins are much better at the lower price space, only because you have to take a very specific focus on your main drivers of expense, which primarily is real estate. That's your biggest expense in this model. So you have to be very aggressive on the types of leases you negotiate. I'm sure we'll talk about that more a little bit. Your payroll is much less in these clubs. So that's more of a fixed cost than in most traditional health clubs. And then you do drive large membership bases. Our average membership is about 6,500 members. So if you're managing your expenses and your profit lines profitably, your margin could be upwards of 30, 40%. In, mm-hmm. in the box, which is really good, you've got to run it right to do that, but that's where it should play. So, yeah, very solid in the low price. How much
1: does it cost to be a member?
0: It ranges now. We found over the years that we've been able to modify our pricing. So originally we started at nine ninety five and nineteen ninety five. Since mm-hmm. then, we but a, a health club company in low price can't run on ten dollar membership.
1: Right, that was my follow up question.
0: So we've modified our prices to. 995, we have 1995, we have 24.95, and now we have 39 or 49.95. Now the reason that's good for us, as opposed to a competitor that maybe only has 10 and 20 is when we added the extra amenities that low price traditionally didn't have, and this is the difference between low price versus high-value, low price. Low-price club, for example I'll just throw a planet out there because they're all over the place basically has a club full of equipment and amenities. No personal training, no group fitness classes, no small group training areas. Then with us, when you add in this fantastic crunch fitness, proprietary group fitness programming, brings in a lot of female members. They love its great energy. You add in small group training sections like your own in-house CrossFit with 100 feet of turf and specialized equipment with boxing bags and anvils and kettlebells and tire flips, all that. And you have great personal trainers on top of all this additional equipment that we have is we have a greater variety of equipment. Then you have different amenities you can place in different sections. So what we found is rather than just going 10 and 20, we can put certain amenities on your base level membership. Then you can charge a little bit more for the group fitness. You want to add in the small group, and all those other things you can charge a little bit more, so on and so forth. Plus we have the amenities like guest privileges. You can bring a friend in at no cost. You're on a higher level membership. You get reciprocity to all the other clubs in the country We give folks a free license to what's called Crunch Live. We're the only company in the industry that gives people their own streaming video service with their membership. So if they're out at a hotel or somewhere else, they can just plug in and get their Crunch classes right on their phone or Mm -hmm. the internet. We're the only company that throws that in. We give them an online license to a company called Dot Fit, which allows our members to track their nutrition and their programs online. Those are the extra benefits that you throw in at different levels, but what that has done Without boring you to death there, and sorry for going on too long, it's driven our average membership rate close to $20 a month, which is the highest in our space for a low price player, which makes it much easier for our franchisees to be successful when you're getting a higher average dues as opposed to that
1: $10. So you've got the baseline, and then you've got incremental pricing based on offering different amenities, And by doing that, you start in at the low level, but perhaps you upgrade them throughout the process by offering them these high-quality amenities. And obviously, that principle or that approach can be applied to any type of business, not just what you're doing.
0: Yep, and we broke it up, and we have four options. So when somebody comes in, the menu's four options. We don't get any more complicated than that. And we probably have a 60% to 40% split from the higher offerings to the lower offerings. Mm-hmm. So more people tend to go up higher, which is great and tell out well so far.
1: Let's talk about a challenge. Can you tell us a story? Within these seven years, what's been a challenge that you've come across and how'd you
0: overcome it? Well, you know, I could probably give you a hundred challenges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever one's your best story. <laughs> yeah. But in general, to summarize, I think I'm going to talk on a little bit of a broader scale. Can, like a
1: do you have a specific story versus a broad scale? Is there a specific story we can get in there and just learn as you were learning in a certain circumstance?
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to think of a sort of confidentiality.
1: Oh, right, right, right. right yeah. You can tell us everything. We won't tell anyone, we promise.
0: <laughs> no problem. Let me start off this way. And you can fair, enough. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. So when you work with franchisees first of all, our philosophy has always been stay small to grow large. It's something that's a lot different than other franchise companies. We've sold over 800 franchises and we only have about 65 ownership groups. So we started with that philosophy because we wanted less people to own more units so we could balance the culture. So if you're a franchise owner, I can know you, I can know your kids, you can know me. We get to know each other much better. Therefore, we end up over time being able to work through any challenges that we might have a little more effectively. When yep. you're trying to manage to 400 franchisees, 800 clubs, then you can't get to know everybody. You just can't. So we have spent extra time, painstaking time, trying to develop the culture in the business. And sometimes it cuts both ways because sometimes people can say, hey, you know, we know each other. How could you push me too hard on that? Mm-hmm. And the other side is, if there is something that you're at odds with each other on, you work through it. So certain examples would be, for franchisees, they're required to stay on a schedule. So if you come in and you buy 20 clubs, that's the territory and the rights to buy 20 clubs. So I'm building up to a specific instant. You're required to build two clubs a year or sign two leases, right? The investment for each of these clubs is a million and a half to $2 million. So this is fairly significant commitment if you're gonna do 20 of these. You're gonna to have to invest one way or another, $40 million over the course of the next 10 years. So you get out and you open the club and usually the clubs take off as well as they should. They trend perfectly. They cash flow, which is great. In our industry though, you end up with a portfolio, generally a couple of clubs that don't perform anywhere near you thought they should. Yep. Some that are incredible.
1: Our industry too, in real estate, yeah. <laughs> same thing.
0: <laughs> and then you got the middle ones that pretty much do what they want, right? Yep. But let's say your first one, for whatever reason, whether it's operator deficiency or wrong location or what have you, doesn't take off. And maybe it's trending in the wrong direction. And this. Isn't a normal case, but it can happen in any, mm-hmm. then that creates a lot of stress with the owner, but the owner is required to stay on schedule. They have to stay on schedule. So they've got to reach in there and invest another couple of million dollars to open another studio or help up to offset any potential challenges they're having in that one. So that's a real challenging thing to get someone through. Well, I just invested this. How do you expect me to invest something more if this isn't trending right? Well, you have to, mm-hmm. and here's how we're going to work through it. And that can become a very contentious scenario. So you've got to make sure you throw as much support as you can behind the operator to make sure there's something you're not providing them as a franchisor, that you engage in that and you make sure they get that. You have to look for more creative ways to drive more revenue into their system. Maybe you have to dive in their P&Ls. They're they're spending too much overhead, and that's the cause of that. But you've got to get behind them 110%, get them through that. So the first level becomes get them to break even so everything's comfortable, there's less stress. And then still, then you've got to also apply the pressure on the other side to remind them of their obligations to continue. And if they decide not to, well, then you're at an impact. If you're Mm -hmm. not going to develop, then we have to default the relationship, resell it to somebody else, and then you've got that person sitting there. Yep. That's a specific situation that a franchisor can work through and how, I guess, skillfully and appropriately and, and respecting the relationship between the franchisor and the franchisee, you work through that, ideally you come out with the best outcome. Where the franchisee satisfied, understanding, feels supported, and moves on to the next book.
1: Yeah, those have got to be some sticky conversations, at least initially, if it's not performing and like, well, you we got a commitment and let me help you get that thing to perform. You mentioned some creative ways to drive more revenue. One of the things you said is too much overhead. What are some other ways that you help drive revenue for a franchisee at a particular location?
0: Sure, we have a fantastic marketing department. We really do. We've got a great team, but we have essentially an in-house agency within Crunch. You've got all your creative, all your media buyers, your social media workers, all the support at the coordinator level and manager level that'll help the franchisees analyze their sales and the average dues. So you can do things as simple as modifying your pricing. So your average price point starts to trick up and then that will compound as you move along. You can do things with the interior element of the club. Certain regions of the country, you have to sort of approach the community a little bit differently. I'm sure you've seen different franchises that have different looks in different areas. So you may have to adapt a little more to give it a little cooler feel or a little more comfortable feel or help it appeal to a broader audience than perhaps your standard design does. Mm -hmm. You can change elements like music, lighting, inside promotions where you're going to the member base to promote different activities, help them successfully facilitate community outreach. In our industry, as a health club operator, you've got to be outside of your club. People have to know you're there and you've got to be shaking hands and kissing babies. You've got to go to the hospitals and the schools and the municipalities and you've got to be setting up your corporate agreements and making sure everybody feels welcome at your club. So you've got to execute on all these things except in addition to just marketing. So Mm -hmm. you have to go in there and almost forensically get involved in that and then guide them through the process. And it's not going to be the same for everybody but it's generally going to fall into one of those buckets. So we have to get in there with our team. And then we support them from the marketing standpoint, the operations standpoint, the personal training standpoint. And that's another revenue line that I didn't even mention, personal training, mm-hmm. it's fairly significant in our model. So if they're not running that effectively, you've got to give more training there. So essentially, I'm sure the practice, any other successful franchise would follow. Just diagnose, review, and, and see where you can fill the gaps and add value.
1: I like the philosophy of staying small to grow large. If you weren't in the industry that you're in, and I know you've been in this industry for a very long time, but just taking a step back and applying it to, doesn't have to be real estate, but let's do a hypothetical. Let's say you're just hired as a CEO, or maybe you've managed to duplicate yourself. You're the first person in the world. You can duplicate yourself. So you're still at your job, but then your other you is a CEO for another company. How would you implement the stay small to grow large approach? What does that look like?
0: Well, it's very applicable to franchising because it's based, first of all, for me, in my career, everything I've learned is based off of the more successful your relationship is with the party on the other side, whether it's just one-on-one sales. The better I get to know you in a more genuine manner, it takes down a lot of barriers when you're trying to sell something. You don't come across as a salesperson. You get interested in the person first and legitimately respect the person. Ideally, you get a good relationship, so you become friends and then the sales happen much easier, right? Referrals flow, it all works together. So in franchising, we applied the same principle just because everything's based on the relationship. So Mm -hmm. I think if we were to look at specific industries, I can give better examples, but to me, almost any business is based on relationships and how the business conducts themselves, how they interact with people. Mm -hmm. If you're in a retail type format, right, and you've just got to move product, I don't know if it applies the same way because staying Mm -hmm. small is only going to give you so many locations or so many outlets to move your product unless you're an online company. But Mm -hmm. I think it comes down to compounding the positive experience that you get with your customers over time. Because if we sell you something at one point in time, we haven't really proved ourselves yet. We've gained enough trust to get you to make the transaction, but we haven't gained your trust enough that you're going to continue to do transactions with us and tell other people about it. So making a sale is just the first step. And then I think the stay small approach on a different level just relates to consistently repeating that sort of track record of trust you have until it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Right. And that's the stickiness Mm -hmm. of customers of your business.
1: I love the quote, the more successful relationship is the more successful you will be together. And it's clear that you've taken that approach throughout to build this thing. What is a way that if you were speaking to some franchise owners and they're like, hey, Ben, how can I build a better relationship with the customers that come in the door? What are the top two or three things that you tell them?
0: That's pretty simple, actually. When I was a lot younger, I'll just give you a personal example without trying to Focus it on myself, but I won this award which was called the Ursa Salesperson of the Year Award. It's our industry trade association. So I was a top salesperson for the fitness industry. This is back in 1995. But the way that happened was first, looking at a health club, and this is what we tell owners the health clubs are community. Starbucks has done an amazing job of coining themselves as the third place there's home, there's work, there's Starbucks. But you're just going in there for a quick grab a latte and move, right? And so the goal is to have all the baristas know your name and talk to you, and you have a little chit-chat, and they know your drinks, and then you sit down and all that. But I love Starbucks. I'm a huge fan of everything Howard Schultz has done, but no barista knows my name because my interaction with them is quick. In a health club, you're there for an hour, an hour and a half, multiple times a week. So if you're the owner of that facility and you take that community aspect seriously, first you're going to lead from the front going to establish that within your employees that look, every time Joe comes in, say hi Joe. Know something about Joe. Get to know him. And the same with every single member that comes in. Sometimes you're going to have members that don't want to see at all. They just want to walk past and they want to go do their thing and that's fine. That's their business, but you still say hi to them. You still work with them. And then you'll be surprised that one day you don't say hi to that person. Even if they never say hi back, they're going to notice. You know what I mean? They didn't say hi to me. What's going on? Then you know you've kind of cracked through that outer shell because there is some interest in interacting with the staff even though they're not interacting back it's just you going one way but what works great for the owner is to quiz your team on knowing names when i was younger i'd go into the center of a club and i would practice naming every member in the club at any given time whether it's six in the morning 12 in the afternoon three or seven o'clock at night different people come at different times right different people hang out with different groups within the clubs but the more you know everyone's name and everyone's social circles and then you sort of integrate yourself into that. If I see you in the club six times and I ask the front desk and they don't know who you are and the training staff doesn't know who you are because you'll check with them first to get your name, then you go down and introduce yourself. Hey, my name is Ben. I've worked here for a long time. I see you working on it all the time. just wanted to introduce myself. I'm Joe. Great, Joe. Thanks. Anything you need from me? What have you? Great. All right, we'll see you tomorrow or something. Mm-hmm. You just have to get that process going. And sometimes people are uncomfortable with it. Sometimes they're not. But at the end of the day, even though it may seem like unproductive time because you're not on the phone trying to close another deal or this, that, or the other thing, you can never underestimate the value of those relationships because then you create this aura about yourself that draws people to you. And if you can create a team of people like that within your club, all 20 of your employees acting in that same manner, the community aspect of it thrives, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I'm sorry if I went on. That's helpful. Long- that is the key in our industry is get a community going within your club.
1: Mm-hmm. What's another way that you all build a community within the club, other than making sure that all team members know the names and acknowledge and have relationships with
0: the individuals. Yeah. I think building relationships, there's not a textbook to it, right? Mm-hmm. Part of you has to be a genuine person that's interested in having a relationship where it's never going to happen. Look, we're dealing with people. Not everybody's the same. Everybody's got a different personalities. So, if you just get that process going where, let's take out the using the names that just, the employees care enough to interact with the customers and they have a genuine type of personality where they're interested in people, it happens by osmosis, it happens organically. Just becomes this good feeling, enjoyable place to go. Everybody's been to businesses. I remember this one market that's actually closed right now it was in our hometown. Every time I went in there, you get a certain bean salad, which was delicious. I was like, wow, what's in this? We don't share our recipes. <laughs> Okay, cool. Sorry, I was just telling you this was great. I wasn't going to steal your recipe and open the store right next to you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's completely the opposite of it. So, do I stop yeah. shopping there? Yeah, I stopped shopping there. But if it's totally different, you know, the bean salad, we use the vinegar, we use this, we use that. You know, it's fantastic, great. Or, by the way, are you allergic to any food allergies? Make sure it's not in there. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Thanks. Great job. I'm going back. So, there's no science to it. And, you know, when I was younger and someone interviewed me about how we sold so many memberships, after talking to them, that person said, well, you basically told me nothing. There's no <laughs> They essentially said that. That was one of the first interviews I did. They said, there's no system there. And I'm like, well, there's not a system. It's people,
1: uh-huh. yep. right?
0: It's just getting to know people and it works. So,
1: I think the key there is hiring the right people because as you said, everyone's got their own strengths and weaknesses and some people just genuinely connect with others and genuinely are curious and others aren't.
0: And nowadays you got these, right? So you got to just stop the kids from looking down. The worst thing to do is come into a health club and see somebody looking down at a phone yep. or any business. Excuse me, can I put that down so I get a coffee, right? Or you got eight people behind the desk and nobody's looking at you and you're just wondering what they're all doing. Oh, yeah. Maybe they're all good and busy, but the customer's there or the customer on the phone is more important than the customer right in front of you. And we could go on for days. Yep.
1: I ask this question to all guests and since you're an entrepreneur and a successful professional, it'll be a slightly different slant than a real estate investors, So I'll change up the question a little bit. What is your best advice ever for entrepreneurs and business professionals?
0: Well, the cliche is don't give up, but I tell my kids that every morning when they go to school. Make good decisions and never give up. But one of the things that's served me well is not rushing to judgment on anything. Taking the time to take in information and understand the whole scenario that you're dealing with. Sometimes when you're growing a business or your business has got momentum, you're very caught up in the pace of things. What can I do to move faster, make more money, get better, expand, or what have you. And then sometimes decisions are done quickly. Now you are forced to work quickly, but you're not really forced to move quicker than you should to make an appropriate decision. So it's been hard for me, at least personally, to slow myself down and not react to things as much as you would want to, and then tell yourself, get more information, get a clearer picture of what's going on, make sure you talk to all parties, make sure you look at things from all the different angles, then proceed to make the right decision. I know it's not specific, Mm -hmm. best advice lesson ever, but you can apply it to pretty much anything. Whether you're signing a lease, you know how many people will sign a lease just because they like the site and they think it's going to be a great site, but the lease is 50 pages long. How many things can screw you in that lease if you didn't really go through it? Did you sit in the parking lot at the front of that store and watch the traffic as opposed to just looking at the demo reports? Did you talk to the owners of the stores next door? When was the last vacancy? Did you talk to somebody, the manager, to see are you one of the top stores or one of the poorest stores in the network? People will tell you a surprising amount of information, but that's just information gathering. So if you're prone to making decisions quickly without all the information, you're probably going to be prone to make some mistakes.
1: That's a good segue into some of the real estate stuff. You said on the expense front, you've got to be aggressive on the types of leases that you get and make sure you've got the proper payroll, et cetera. Let's talk about the types of leases. I wrote down three. You might've said four. You just gave three examples of what you look at whenever you're evaluating an opportunity for where you're going to be. One is to talk to people next door. Two is to sit in the parking lot and watch the traffic and three is to actually read through all 50 pages, and then more importantly, also have an attorney read through it. What are some other things that you'd like to mention as it relates to the real estate front of your business?
0: Well, real estate, as you know, is changing dramatically. I mean, there's, I think, 8,000 retail closures just over the last year in all different segments. So for our industry, it's becoming very positive for us to go out and negotiate with the landlords because we're taking anywhere right. Twenty to 50,000 square feet, and there's not a ton of those tenants running around looking for those spaces. So for us, you've got three elements that you have to look for. One is your gross rent per square foot. And we only talk on gross terms because in some municipalities, the triple nets are it's unbelievable. Some places are 12 bucks. some places are $3. So we just talk on trend of gross because you're still paying that money one way or another. Your tenant improvement allowance. Some people, if you're a sophisticated investor, you don't like to take the tenant improvement because it'll drive up your monthly rent. But most folks in the franchise industry like to do things on a levered basis where they'll finance it you know, rather than just putting 100% equity. So generally the TI makes a lot of sense because it's reducing your cash out of pocket. And then third, what is your free rent periods? Those are the three main factors in negotiating a good health club lease. And then, of course, your landlord work letter, right? What is the condition of the space? How much work do you have to do? What is your HVAC? How much of the electrical is running into that? What's the condition of the facade? Where is your plumbing stubbed in? There's so many different things you have to consider when doing it. Again, because you're looking at a million and a half or two dollar investment just to get out the door, not counting what your overall operating expenses are going to be and your cash flow needs once you get it going you don't know how much your ramp is so we encourage people to look at all those aspects very very closely protect themselves on the guarantee guarantee is a tricky spot you could have a 10-year a five-year a rolling uh, something that just runs out after the ti expires so you obviously know all those inside and out but we go through each of those scenarios with each franchisee and they're always different based on the type of landlord you're dealing with are you dealing with a REIT? are you dealing with a big shopping center owner? are you dealing with a mom and pop that have owned that building for 50 years and there's no debt on it uh, you're dealing with a small real estate owning group. So it's very unique. That's why you've got to have people behind the scenes looking over the franchisee's shoulders to make sure that someone who's never done a commercial lease before can get through it without being damaged, really.
1: You mentioned free rent periods. Can you
0: elaborate on that? In the health club industry, most folks pay on a monthly billing system. They pay for their checking account or a credit card. It's recurring, and then you have a certain period to cancel. That's why a lot of investors like the fitness industry because it's just recurring repetitive monthly dues. No problem. You know, like a lot of people do it. You know if you're doing storage on the iCloud or Google or something, they're just debiting you three bucks a month or five bucks a month, every month for your extra storage in the cloud or what have you. That may be a, not a great example, but same principle applies. But when you open a health club, it takes a while to ramp up to your mature membership base. So what you want is a free rent period from your CEO, your certificate of occupancy, So you have an opportunity to get more and more people on the monthly membership system. So when your full rent kicks in, perhaps you've got a deferral on your equipment lease, then you're meeting your monthly cash flow requirements, as opposed to running in some deficit for a few months until you reach that level. And then when you're in the negotiation, we look at it as having three different levers. You get your gross rent, your tenant improvements, and your free rent period. So if your gross rent's higher, then your TI either has to be higher. I think equals out in the equation. You're not going to get any TI at all. I've seen people get three years free rent, if you believe it. So then you've got to figure out how to cover the build-out costs, maybe through finance or something like that, so you don't really come out of pocket too much and leave yourself short. So I won't bore you with any of the real estate scenarios we run through, as you know them all, obviously, but those are the way we have to look at each and every situation with our franchisees and, and assess the space on whether or not it's going to be a worthwhile move for them.
1: We're going to do a lightning round where some listeners have come up with some questions. I've handpicked some of the questions. Your answers don't necessarily need to be lightning quick, but I just like calling it the lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? All right, perfect. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash ever. Fund That Flip today's sponsor has partnered with best selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's dwellyn com forward slash show. All right, Ben, this one is from James in Pittsburgh
0: real questions from listeners. I thought you were just pulling my leg there.
1: Oh, no, no, no. no. uh, (laughs) And he spells his name J-A-Y-M-E-S. And he asks, in this pretty generic macro level question, how big is your vision for crunch?
0: I love that one. I told you I was a Starbucks fan and Starbucks has almost gotten to the point that they're synonymous with coffee. Maybe not if you're an East Coaster, you're probably thinking duck and donuts, but in any case, my vision for Crunch, as is shared by everyone else on the board, and we also have another great CEO on the own side, named Keith Works, is that Crunch is going to become, in time, the default definition of fitness club. So I'm going to Crunch rather than I'm going to the health club. That's our goal. But long term, we're going to be in just about every community we can, and people will associate what we do just with fitness. That's the long term goal.
1: This is from David in Nashville. Was there one person who was the most influential in your life, either from afar like an idol or someone you knew personally?
0: That's a funny question. A close friend of mine just passed away, and their service is actually on the 26th of November. And I think for me anyways, in my life, I've had many different people that have been exceptionally influential to me, especially at different stages in my life. This particular person, I'll just say his name. His name was Peter Bennett. He was the kind of guy that when I was a kid... They gave me a job, and they took me in, kind of toughened me up from maybe a little being too soft of a younger kid, not even more than thirteen at that time, to somebody who felt like he could take on the world and take care of himself. And then, as you go through different levels of your life, you find mentors in, in different aspects. I think people are drawn to the type of mentors they need based on where they are in their life. And you know, I could give you five or ten different people from business mm-hmm. that have affected me in that way, people who've affected me in my personal life, but. Uh, I think it's for me, it's been in stages.
1: Mm-hmm. Makes sense. This is from Jason in Boston. We'll go with this one it's a question word a little weirdly i'll just read it and then we can try and decipher it what is more important to do what you do either business skills or workout skills workout With, skills
0: yeah <laughs> well i'm 48 now so my workout skills are still there but they're not what they used to be let's put it that way so i think you take care of yourself to take care of everything else in your life let's put it that way i'm in the fitness industry so you've got to exercise eat right. In my opinion, you've got to take care of yourself. And if you're working right, then it helps everything around you work better. Doesn't mean it's going to work perfect, but take care of your health. And then with business skills, look, you've got to hone those all the time. Nobody knows everything with business. And I think I just talked to someone else on this point. I think once you are an accomplished CEO, and obviously I'm not nearly as accomplished as thousands of others, and you feel like you've got it all sewn up, then that's when your business is already on the downturn and you have seen it.
1: I love that. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you or learn more about
0: Crunch? The best way to learn more about Crunch is crunch.com. We've got a tremendous new website. We just revamped it. It's been a great investment for the franchisees. For me personally, not a tremendous amount to learn there. Uh, happy to reach out and uh, get in touch with me if you like you can reach me through the website as well and do what I can to support people who are growing up through their business career
1: awesome well Ben thank you for being on the show some of the takeaways I got from it is I mean surprisingly margins can be better with lower in the lower price space and one of the ways to do that is through incremental pricing and that can be applied not only to your industry but any industry really So that's one thing. Two is the expenses are really something that you all need to get a good handle of. And one of the things, real estate specifically, some of the things you mentioned, more peripheral level, the sit in the parking lot and watch traffic, talk to people next door and read through the leases. Well, These are principles that can be applied not only to someone who's signing a lease, but also someone who's looking to buy a commercial real estate property. So getting in there and doing some of the softer things that we might not think about, but that you mentioned. And then the three things you look for in a lease, the primary things. One, the gross rent per square foot. Two, the TI allowance, tenant improvement allowance. And three, the free rent periods. And you talk through the approach there. And then lastly, the overarching theme here. And that is when you said the more successful your relationship is, the more successful you'll be together with that individual. And that truly is. I mean, it's clear that's the foundation of your approach and the approach that you've taken to scale the business. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you
0: soon. Yeah, thanks very much, Joe. Thanks for having
1: Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwelling Show with Ola Dantas discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's dwe com forward slash show.